have been standing. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 27, verses 11 through 25. Matthew 27, 11 through 25. It says this. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered to him, Never a word. Insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast the governor was wont to release into the pri people a prisoner whom they would, and they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife said unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto him, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do them with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. It's a lengthy reading, but I want to preach for the next few moments tonight from this title, He's Got You Covered. He's Got You Covered. Has anybody ever found themselves in a situation where you just needed some help from somebody else? We've all been there. I was there today. It doesn't necessarily have to be a bad situation or a hopeless one, but isn't it nice to have friends or coworkers in your life that you can count on? I had a doctor's appointment today, and, and I'm a teacher, and so and it's been scheduled for months, but if a teacher needs to get off, we need a sub. And, and if you're a band director, having a sub is not the best thing because you know your kids ain't going to get nothing done. But it is, it is awesome that I have someone that can cover for me in my band director brother, and he said, you know, you go to your appointment. I can cover your class this today. It'll be all right. There's nothing like knowing that your students are still going to have a productive and hard and grueling day, even without you there to grind them into dust. Um, has anybody ever been thankful that you had somebody at work that, that could just cover for you when you needed to be gone? Maybe you had a doctor's appointment, or maybe you know you just needed to get away and take a vacation. It's just so nice to, to have somebody that can cover for you. Hopefully they don't leave you too much of a mess when you get back, but at least you have a few days off. There's been more than a couple of times, I regret to admit, when I have stupidly forgotten my wallet at home. Isn't this the worst? And you, you go up to pay or you get the check and you reach for your wallet and it's not there 
and your heart just drops. Oh, my word. But isn't it, isn't it make you feel so much better if you have somebody with you that says, don't worry about it this time, I'll cover you and you can pay me back later. I know that insurance isn't everybody's favorite subject to talk about, but if you've ever been in an accident or had to go to the hospital or a doctor or had tests run, and you see that giant bill that's got more zeros behind it than the Cleveland Browns win column, you are thankful that you've got some insurance to cover that. You've got something to cover you. And that's really the problem we have, you know, if you're going to be self-employed. The good part is you get to work for yourself, but the bad part is you've got to cover everything yourself. It's, it's not all just, you know, a rose garden. You've got to cover your own benefits. When you work for yourself, you've got to pay it all. You've got to cover your own insurance. You're free to work for yourself, but you're also free to bear the entire burden of that on your own shoulders. Nobody is there to cover you if something happens or goes awry. Your own, your own. And can I tell you that today we have many people in 2018 who are spiritually self-employed. These people, if they want to engage in any activity, they are free to do so. They can. Nothing is off limits to them. Everything is permissible. Everything is okay. Everything is accepted because they are their own boss. They are their own God as such. They don't need anybody to cover for them because they can do whatever they want whenever they want to do it. There is no higher power than their own ability. There is no higher morality than their own conscience. There is no greater plan than their own ambition. Yet we see the end of this as many have gone before and tried to live this way and, and made shipwreck of their lives and the lives of their family as they live for only themselves and not for others. We see this in Scripture as, as Saul and Samson and Solomon and the prodigal son and so many others embrace, if for a time, being spiritually self-employed. They embrace looking in the mirror and being able to see the image of their God. In the end, we see these great men who, who end up separated from family or from God or from power and separated from provision and separated from hope because they have separated themselves from the gentle leading hand of God Almighty. And from the pig's trough, they tell us that we might be able to live however we want, but we cannot cover ourselves. We can do many things, perhaps, on our own, if you want to debate that, but, but we cannot cover ourselves so aren't we thankful tonight when we come together because we have a great and glorious savior jesus who came to cover us all who came so we wouldn't be on our own who came so we could have life and life more abundantly you know the story of jesus and we read part of it in our text but indulge me for a few moments please jesus was betrayed by Judas. He was innocent of any crime and he was sinless. What had Jesus done other than to heal and deliver and restore? What had he done other than to bring people hope? What had he done other than to save and set free? Yet he was taken before Pilate and he was 
falsely accused of the chief priests and elders. And in the Bible says, Jesus answered them nothing. The accusations were so strong even that Pilate asked Jesus, he says, don't you hear what they're saying about you, Jesus? Don't you have anything to say for yourself? Won't you defend yourself from these things that they're saying? But the Bible says that Jesus answered him not a word. Let me just take a moment tonight and say that there are few times in our lives when we are more like Jesus than when we are wronged and when we are falsely accused and when we are mistreated and when we've been gossiped about and slandered and we answer that, not a word. Not everything in life needs our comment. And Jesus shows us this so beautifully. When we try to avenge ourselves, when we, when we just would try to stop if we would just stop trying to justify ourselves at every turn into everybody on the planet, and if we would decide to let God work that out, and if we would decide to stop worrying about these situations, we would give God room to work. We would give Him room to work because we are not being our own Savior, but we're letting God be that for us. When somebody says something bad about us, and we've all been there, we've all been there, and, and I, I regret to say that I've oftentimes not done the right thing, but when somebody says something bad about us, we ought not to gossip about it, and we ought not to bring it to our friends and kids and Facebook and family, but we ought to take it to God in prayer and let Him handle it. If somebody wants to do wrong by us, let them do wrong. If somebody wants to be wrong with God, let them be wrong. Because too often, while we are trying to set them straight, we ourselves fall into the same trouble that they were in. While we try to avenge ourselves, we fall into the same trap sometimes that our accusers did. And we're not treating them right anymore. And we're not doing them the way that Jesus would treat them. Let's let our character speak for itself. And let God speak for himself. Jesus opened not his mouth. No doubt, Jesus knew what the implications of this would be. He knew the end from the beginning after all. He knew that this was his time. And in spite of living a perfect life, in spite of doing all the right things, in spite of living to serve and to save others, he was about to be crucified by the same, the very same people that he came to save. Jesus knew all this and yet he pressed on. He doesn't defend himself. He just continued to love people. People not unlike you and, and not unlike me. They were going to kill him. They were going to crucify him. But he continues to love them. And can I tell you that saving people is always a messy business. It is always a messy business. Sometimes when we are trying to do right by people, and when we are trying to help people, people lash out and we get hurt. When we're trying to do what God has called us to do, sometimes we get hurt. The phrase rings true that hurt people hurt people. 
hurt people. Hurt people. And if you've ever tried to help a wounded animal, we've, we've all done it. We've all been on both sides of this. We've been the helper and we've been the animal. But if you've ever tried to help a wounded animal, you know it's true. While you're trying to apply the medicine to make it better, sometimes that animal will lash out, not because anything that it knows you're doing, but just because it's scared and it's hurting. And let's not allow the response of everybody else out in the world affect our desire to be like Jesus and love this world. Let's not allow the response of others to, to keep us from trying to love people just like Jesus loves them. Sometimes when we're trying to do His work, people say things they don't really mean and do things they don't really mean to do because they're scared and because they're hurting and because they've been abused by this world. But like Jesus, we must press on and love them in spite of what they do. Love them in spite of the fact that sometimes we get hurt ourselves. God bless the first family of this church, Pastor and Sister O'Connell, because many of us, I can speak for myself on this, but many of us, when we came to Sanctuary, Sanctuary Church, were hurting people. And many of us came, and we weren't perfect, and we didn't have it all together, and, and many of us were damaged, and we were wounded, and we were hurt. And the O'Connells and so many others in this church loved us and let us in. And no doubt there have probably been, unknown to us, many times that people have said things that we didn't really mean and done things that we really didn't mean to do that perhaps hurt people in this church when they were only trying to help us. But thank God for people who are so much like Jesus that they are willing to help hurting people even though they get hurt sometimes as well. Thank God that there are people out there who come along and say, I see the pain and I see the baggage you've been carrying, but we've got you covered here at Sanctuary Church. We're going to love you and we're going to invite you in and we're going to make you part of our family we're going to have a seat at our table for you we're going to treat you right and treat you with love thank God that there are people like Jesus out there today it's because of people that have embraced this that I'm here today and it's because of people like that that you're here today Jesus says nothing they accuse him and he says nothing and while Hurt people are lashing out. His mind isn't on getting even or even on setting the record straight. His mind is on redemption. Pilate knows that Jesus is an innocent man, and, and at this time of the year they would release one prisoner to the public. And so Pilate tries to stack his deck a little bit. He wants Jesus to go free, but he, he doesn't want it to be all on his shoulders to do it. And so he asked the people, he says, would you have me set Barabbas free? And in Barabbas, if you, if you look into it, he is a hardened criminal. He's notorious. Everybody knows who he is. He's, he's a real bad person for society to have. And Pilate says, do you want this guy or do you want Jesus? 
The chief priests persuade the multitude and they say, Give us Barabbas and you keep Jesus. Pilate responds, he says, This man is innocent. This man is innocent. You know it as well as I do. He's innocent. What would you have me do to him? The crowd responds, Crucify him and let his blood be on us and on our children. They perhaps didn't realize the magnitude of what they were saying in that moment, but they were reaching back into Scripture. They perhaps didn't realize it at the time, but that blood sacrifice that they were demanding would, in fact, be on them, and it would, in fact, be on their children. That same blood of Jesus would cover them and their family. It would cover their sins. It would cover their shortcomings. It would cover their failures. The blood of that innocent man, Jesus, wouldn't just be on their hands as they thought, but it would cover their hearts, it would cover their motives, it would cover their darkest desires, and it would give them an opportunity to start again and have a second chance. Isaiah wrote this very thing in Isaiah 1 and 18, if we can get that on the screen. Isaiah 1 and 18. Isaiah writes, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now I've read this scripture many times before, and it is so it's powerful just reading it. It's powerful reading it and knowing it's from Isaiah all the way stretching back into the Old Testament and knowing that verse is for us today and knowing that we are living in the time that this is talking about. That's powerful. It's powerful to think that, that the very thing that separates us from God, that, that He is able and He has made a way for that to, to be clean and for us to be pure and holy, that's incredible. But I don't really think that I ever have gotten the whole picture of this until recently. See, back in Bible times, you have to think about this, dye was hard to come by. And you know this, you've, you've heard it. Um, having dyed clothing would be a sign of of tremendous wealth, and, and therefore you just didn't have the variety of colors that we have today. You can't just go down to the Walmart and say, you know, I want a, want a red shirt and a blue one or, or whatever. If you had all this dyed clothing or pottery, um, it was going to cost you something. Um, and, and, you, and you've seen this in action. It's hard to get the colors that you want. If you've ever used food coloring even or, or tried to dye a shirt even with what we have today, See, if a person wants to dye something a color, you can't just dye it one time and be done. Right? If you want to dye a shirt red, you can't just dye it once unless you want it to be a pink shirt. If you want it to be a pink shirt, great. But if you want it to be a red shirt, that's going to take effort. And it takes effort today to do that, but back then... It was a whole nother thing. It was going to take, it was going to be a process, and it was going to take time. And, and so if a person wanted to dye something scarlet, they would have to dye it once and let it dry, 
and then you would have to dye it again and let it dry again, and you would have to repeat this process, dyeing it red, over and over and over and over, dipping it back into the dye, over and over and over. And can I tell you that some of us are like that dyed a garment. We haven't simply dipped ourselves into the scarlet stain of sin one time, but we've done it, and we've done it over and over and over and over. And we look at ourselves in the mirror, and we see this stain of sin on our life, and it's not a light pinkish color, but we look at it, and it is blood red. It is scarlet. And... (laughs) We look at ourselves and we don't recognize who we are anymore sometimes. Who could change us now that we've been so marked and so stained by the effects of sin? Yet that crimson stream of blood that flows from Calvary is still flowing today and in one moment can cover that sin that we've been dealing with for years and for years. And you can be made white as snow, clean and pure and new and holy. That sin that we fell into time and time again doesn't have to define us. It doesn't have to continue in your family tree. It doesn't have to destroy your marriage. It doesn't have to destroy your kids. It doesn't have to be something that you carry around with you forever because God's got you covered. And in the middle of our doubt, Jesus has us covered. And you can feel His nail-scarred hands for yourself today. In the middle of our sin, Jesus has us covered. I don't care if somebody was out living wrong the moment before they walked into this church tonight. Jesus is for you and He lived for you and He died for you and He rose again for you and He made this church for you. Jesus wants to cover you right now. He wants to take that pain you've been carrying, and He wants to take that hurt you've been hanging on to, and He wants to take all of our damaged goods and make us brand new and give us a fresh start. So stained, but yet we have the opportunity for a fresh start. The world will tell you today that how you were born is how you will always be. And maybe there are some people out there that really, really think that's working for them. And I can only speak for me. But I can tell you that I was born in sin and I was shaping in iniquity and that every decision that I seemed to make on my own put me on the wrong path and took me further away from God and left me feeling empty and left me feeling broken and left me feeling hopeless as I dipped myself into sin's scarlet stain again and again and again and again and raised in a Christian home with great influences I went through times where I wondered if God was real and and I decided that even if he was he wouldn't want to do something for someone like me and for the child or the teenager or a man or woman who has felt like that is all their life will ever be the devil is a liar and the father of it if you're looking for a fresh start today, if you're looking for abundant life today, if you're looking for something, anything to finally change in your life, God has you covered. 
And from that blood-stained hill called Calvary, we cry what they cried. Let His blood be on us and on our children. Jesus, cover me today. Cover my children. Cover my kids. Cover my family. Cover this church. Cover my life. Oh, if we can stand together right now. Jesus wants to do something in this place today. He wants to give somebody a fresh start. Let's find us a place to pray and meet with Him. Jesus, we love You, God, and we need You. We need You to move in this place right now and touch some people who have been dealing with sin and dealing with separation from You and dealing with feeling hopeless and alone and and hurting. And we've got people that that feel so stained by the effects of sin. But in one moment in your presence, in one moment at an altar, they can be covered tonight. They can be made brand new. Oh, Jesus, help us today. We love you, God.